So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Bienvenue à Moi et Toi et Trois, un podcast pour la série télévision Sherif. Je suis Rachel, voici Monica et voici Jennifer. Oui? <laughs> oui, c'est un mot en français. I think it's possible that Rachel has transported herself into a French crime procedural and is hallucinating us. Moi, c'est impossible! <laughs> But I did watch the episode of Sherif with Huggy, and it was fantastic! Which we'll talk about in a moment, but I should say, this is me and the in three, in case you, like Monica and I, do not speak French. <laughs> I'm Monica. I, I'm Jen. And I'm Rachel! Alright, so Sherif, okay. So just to give you a little brief what the show is about... Uh, I think we did sort of touch on this, but now that I've actually watched it, I can speak with a little more authority. It's about this dude named Sharif, and he's a police officer, and he's um, a detective, and he goes and solves murders, along with his partner, Roxanne. I can't remember her last name. He calls her Roxanne most of the time anyway, and she calls him Kadar. And in this episode, it is quite... Silly. Like, at first it starts off really seriously, where it's like, oh, Shahif gets a call from his his son's school because his son was in a fight, so he has to go pick him up. And meanwhile, there's been a murder with a guy in a car, and he got stabbed in the chest. And, like, the first, the first sign of this being a pretty silly episode is one of the police officers is calling Sharif from the passenger seat in the car of the murdered guy, and then he turns to the murdered guy and, like, tells him something. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is gonna be that kind of Wait, episode. does the murderer guy respond? No. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> but he's he's there in the passenger seat of this car. It's like, um, um, I don't think this is great policing. No. Anyway, so it comes to, um, they, they find that there's this woman... That they need to look for. And either her, yes, her name is Turkey. So while they're chatting, Sharif goes, hmm, in, in season two of the show Starsky and Hutch, there was a character named Turkey. And he starts talking about Turkey, and whose real name is Turkette. And he talks about how Huggy was there, and Huggy and Turkey, Turkey helped Huggy solve this case. And so that was the first mention of Starsky and Hutch. And then we go to, he goes, they go to the perp's house. Well, not the perp's, the, the woman. They go to the woman, Turkey's house. And he gets hit on the head. And that's when Huggy appears. And then he appears pretty much through the rest of the episode. This is the only time, this is one of the two times he speaks English. The rest, he speaks French. 
But every scene, he's in different clothes. And at first, Sharif is just like, oh, this is a joke. You're, this is just a total joke. Say to him, And Roxanne's like, no, what, what are you talking about? Because she can't see Huggy at all, <laughs> of course. But uh, when they go out, his car is gone and it's the Torino. And he is just fanboying all over the place. And it's such a delight because he's like, oh, and he's like stroking the car. And Huggy's like, what? You've never seen a 1976 Grand Torino? And it's just, oh, it's so charming. <laughs> and he asks Roxanne what she sees. And she's like, um, I see the Sheriff Mobile. She actually calls it that the Sheriff Mobile. <laughs> But he sees the Torino, but and then he's like, oh, there's hidden cameras around here, right? This is a joke, and here's Antonio Fargas, and and everyone's just like, what? No, what? They're <laughs> so confused, and they think he's going insane, because he's always, like, staring at Huggy, because Huggy's, like, you know, hanging out and talking to him, and he's always replying. It, it's just, it was just a really charming episode, and they got a little model of the Torino, and two, two things. One, Huggy helps... Uh, defeat the uh, catch the bad guy because he keeps telling Sharif, no, you've gotta you've gotta flank him, you know, because like that's what Starcy and Hutch always does. He doesn't actually say Starcy and Hutch, but it evokes that uh, thought, you know, of how Starcy and Hutch are always flanking the bad guy. And then the other part is okay, so they're in Sharif's uh, home office. They're at they're at his house, and. Okay, there's a one, there's a picture of Wonder Woman from the seventies that's ripped up but has been taped back together again. It might I don't think it's Linda Carter, I think it's um his ex dressed up as Wonder Woman. But anyway, this just shows you how much of a nerd he is. And then above on a shelf, there's a frame that is, looks like a TV and it's got Starsky and Hutch in it. Aww. <laughs> I think a lot of fans could uh very much empathize with keeping a framed picture of, like, one of your favorite fandoms in your house. Yeah, it's pretty great. And, like, at the end, like, when he's talking with Huggy, he's like, oh, yeah, he was such a, they were such an inspiration to me and everything. And it was really sweet. It was really cute. It was a great episode. Antonio Farkas was great. I've got an important question. Yeah? Uh, was Huggy's fashion on point? Huggy's fashion was great. It, as I say, <laughs> it changed every single shot he was in. So some of them I did like a little better than others, but it was still very, it was still very huggy. Good. I have another question. Did he ever realize that it was a hallucination? <laughs> Eventually, yeah. But then, okay, but then here's the kicker. As, uh, as Huggy is walking away and Sharif has like been like, okay, he's gone. He like disappears into smoke. So maybe it really was the spirit of Huggy Bear. <laughs> Also, when he's driving the Torino, lots of funky music. Good. Nice. Good. <laughs> I kind of hope his coworkers were all gaslighting him, and it was like, Huggy was real. It was all real, and they were just like, no, you're crazy. Walking away, disappearing, like, smoke, that's a great ending for a hallucination, but I would have been equally pleased with, like, someone on the street being like, hey, Antonio. <laughs> that would have been amazing. But, I mean, they did sort of pretty much establish that he was a hallucination yeah. with um, some great camera stuff where they would, you know, they would be panning the room and it'd be Sharif and Huggy would be in one shot and it would pan and it would stay on Sharif and then it, there would be whoever he was talking to and then it would, like, pan back and Huggy would be gone. Yeah. Because it'd be, like, sense. from their point of view. 
Nice. It was pretty awesome. And they did that thing, they did that same thing with the car, where it was the Sharif Mobile, and then there was like a pole, and it as it drove past the pole, it turned into the Torino. <laughs> it was a delight. It was a delightful episode. And I'm sorry that it's just in French and there aren't English subtitles, because I think, I think a lot of people would get a kick out of it. I wonder if some fan might like transcribe or something, or maybe there will be a subtitled version if it's... I mean, Netflix gets so many. I mean, it could. Uh, we just we TV just gotta shows. start yelling at Netflix. Sharif, Sharif, Sharif. <laughs> that that might be a little odd. <laughs> Does Sharif mean sheriff, or is that just a? It's his name. Coincidence? Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about French. You are a French expert. I'm so not that much of an expert, but <laughs> compared to me and Monica, <laughs> I mean, I, I I understand enough that I got. Um, Quite a few of the jokes, and, like, I knew what was going on in the plot, more or less. Nice. So. Well, thank you for sharing with us, because we would not have had access to this information <laughs> thank without you. Thank you for letting me babble about it. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, another thing that we watched, we actually just finished watching a little while ago, was Fiddler on the Roof. Um, that was, like, the spookiest. That's, like, if, like, Grandma Seidel was suddenly singing uh, If I Were a Rich Man. So I I had seen the film version of Fiddler on the Roof before, but it was a long time ago, before I knew who Paul Michael Glazer was. Um, my high school had also done a production when I was in middle school, I think when I was in eighth grade, but we went to see it. So I had familiarity with the story and the music, but I had no awareness of what... Paul Michael Glazer had done in it. Or Michael Glazer, as he is credited in this. (laughs) Which is odd. So we watched it. Unsurprisingly, he is a delight. Uh, I mean, Fiddler in general is great, but uh, he is, as Perchick, is perfect. I had not seen this before at all. I had not seen any version of Fiddler. Monica, you've seen a stage production? Yes, my high school also put it on. Yeah, I haven't seen it at all, so it was it was a nice experience. You do have to, if you hear any, like, tinkle, 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 it's because it's hailing here, because Wisconsin is awful. <laughs> you might also hear the wind. It's been really noisy. So loud. So sorry that our weather's trying to kill us. We won't let it disrupt the podcast too much. Anyway, I, I found it to be an absolute delight, as Jen said. But also, wow. Did Paul Michael Glazer look great? <laughs> yeah, I I thought he looked really good. And also, it was nice that he was the young student from Kiev who uh, is feminist and has revolutionary ideas and uh, comes to disrupt this small town and then falls in love. That's just like a great storyline. It was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, one of the first lines he says is, women are people too. He's a radical. <laughs> People in the town think he's he's super cool. And then uh, later he's like, love is important. And they're like, he's a radical. <laughs> such, oh, it's such perfect comedy. It was so But great. then his actual proposal scene is like, this is an economic transaction. Because well, he's but an also, awkward baby nerd. <laughs> all, all of the guys are so awkward. But it, it was super cute. And of course, like most musicals, the first act is very happy. And the second act is very depressing in a lot of ways. But, but it, it also had his hottest moment when the scene <laughs> where he's going to be arrested. Oh my god, that was just like the hottest I have ever seen Paul Michael Glazer. That's like that's like the peak. Although <laughs> we, can, we can do a chart. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, we haven't seen that Houdini movie yet. Yeah, but you know what? His, I, I, okay, I saw clips. His hair is often very nerdily done. It's like parted in the middle and like very flat on top and then like curly at the bottom. Well, it's could, weird. It could be a strong look. <laughs> strong is a word to use, yeah. I'd say any Starsky and Hutch episode where Starsky is like quiet and intense and like prowling or like those scenes, then he's usually pretty hot in those scenes. That was my heartbeat if you heard that. Because it <laughs> sped up at that thought. Like, yes. I mean, there's a reason why Jillian is one of my favorite episodes because he's very quiet and intense during that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or uh, survival. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was uh, I was tweeting uh, on a locked Twitter about uh, Fiddler as we were watching it, and a friend of mine who has seen the movie a million times and shows it to her students has no context for Sosuke and Hutch, the TV show, but when I mentioned that uh, Project was Paul Glazer, she was like, oh my god, that was one of my earliest crushes! His, his pretty hair and his feminist socialism were so great! And I was like, don't forget the eyelashes! Of course, we didn't notice that uh, we did... Okay, so Terry Meyer linked us to a 30-year anniversary documentary, and Monica went and flipped through to get to the Paul Michael Glazer bits, because we have our priorities. And thank you, Terry, for linking that to us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And we didn't notice that he had brown contact lenses in. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, eye color changes so much depending on the light that when I didn't notice how blue his eyes are, which I often do notice in Starsky and Hutch, it didn't really strike me as odd. But when he said in the the documentary that he had been asked to wear brown contact lenses, I was like, oh, that would be why. (laughs) The director apparently had some idea that that Jewish people can't have blue eyes, which is bizarre because he had Paul Michael Glazer standing in front of him. Well, I think he, I think he said rare. <laughs> yeah, cuz there were there was at least one other Jewish character uh in the play who has blue eyes in the movie. Cuz I remember thinking, "Oh, those are bright blue eyes." Interesting. I forget which character it was though, so that's not an interesting anecdote. But yeah, <laughs> the director didn't forbid everyone from having blue eyes, just Paul oh, because he has the most beautiful blue eyes. And apparently contacts in the 70s sucked. So it, that that documentary was mostly him complaining about having to wear contacts. Yeah. And we listened to his cut song. I'm very sad it was cut. He does a lovely job. And, you know, he he's not, he's clearly not the strongest singer in the cast, but he is very enthusiastic and he hits the notes. And we also watched a clip of... Uh, not too long ago when he played Tevya um, in a theatrical production of Fiddler on the Roof, now that he is he is an elder. The the clip is, if you just Google search uh, Paul Michael Glazer Tevya, it comes up. It's about five minutes and it has a bit of monologue and then If I Were a Rich Man. And he a, does a fantastic job. So I, I really love uh, Paul Michael Glazer's attachment to Fiddler over many decades. But one thing I also wanted was fic where Perchik actually is Starsky, who has accidentally time-traveled and is stuck in turn-of-the-century Russia. And is like, well, okay, I guess this is just what I'm going to do. And I, I, think, I think it could work. I think he's going he's gonna to go into this town. He's going to try to make them a bit more progressive and woo the hottest girl there. That's an odd crossover. I mean, I'm not saying that it's logical, but I love crossovers. I've said this before. Yeah, 
I I admit that a, a, an intriguing crossover idea can really have some interesting like world building connotations. Actually, I just remembered that some of the earliest Starsky and Hutch fic I read might have been Starsky and Hutch and the Sentinel crossover because I was in Sentinel fandom before I was in Starsky and Hutch fandom and I read a lot of fic. I've never actually seen any of the episodes when I started reading the fic and to this day I haven't seen probably two-thirds of the episodes (laughs) but uh, they only ever released the first season on DVD. Very depressing. But Lots of people wrote crossovers between Sentinel and Starsky and Hutch, and I read a few of them, and that might have been why I meandered into Starsky and Hutch fandom. I honestly don't remember. Huh. But those shows have a lot in common. Both are buddy cop. Obviously, the Sentinel has sort of a a supernatural... Well, it's hard to say whether uh, people with heightened senses are really supernatural or more just like sci-fi, but they, they do have that sort of fantastical approach to the buddy cop genre, but it's very easy to blend um, Starsky and Hutch and and Jim and Blair as characters. They can interact in a lot of uh, ways where they can compare and contrast their partnerships. I mean, I, I love a good crossover, honestly. Have you read any good crossovers? I haven't. Okay, I haven't read that many crossovers. Uh, last time, well, maybe the time before that, I wrecked a Quantum Leap and Starsky and Hutch crossover, and honestly, I am here for all the Quantum Leap crossovers. Like, I, okay, I think Quantum Leap just lends itself really well to a variety of crossovers. Mm-hmm. Like, it can enter so many different shows. And I think with Starsky and Hutch, it would work really great because they are in dangerous jobs. And you can have, um, you can have Sam jump into pretty much any character you want, you know? I like I think my favorite brand of crossover are the ones where uh, an OTP from one canon meets the OTP from another canon and one set is uh, in a relationship or at least in a very stable relationship and the other couple has not yet gotten together or they have but they're kind of a mess and this meeting and this discussion between these two pairs or between half of each pair winds up helping uh, the messed up pair figure things out. And there's a really fun House MD crossover that Monica and I have been reading. It's called The 10% Solution by Peg22. And in it, uh, we have 60-something Starsky and Hutch visiting Princeton Plainsboro Teaching Hospital because Starsky has a mysterious illness and is also apparently Wilson's cousin by some degrees of separation and they are treated by House and House and Wilson are not yet together and Starsky and Hutch have been together for a really long time and Hutch does not like House at all and wants House to cure Starsky and keeps threatening him with his gun, which if you're a retired police officer, I don't think you can open carry a gun in a hospital in New Jersey based on my knowledge of Jersey's gun laws, but what do I know? This isn't refuting that, but when House first sees Hutch, he thinks he's a a wise guy. (laughs) Retired police officer's not his first thought. In New Jersey, mob. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes about, like, is he really family or is he family? (laughs) And there were mob plots on uh, House, so that's not unheard of. That's one of my favorite episodes, actually. 
honestly have a hard time remembering that episode. I, I know it existed, but I don't remember it. Oh, is that the one where the mob guy is gay? Yes. Okay, and I do remember that one now. <laughs> he, like, wants to get into witness protection so he can go off and, like, live his life fully, and mm-hmm. House has to help him with that. It's a good episode. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where they filter his blood through a pig? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't remember. <laughs> but it might be. Anyway, so I recommend this uh, this crossover fic. It, and it's exactly the kind of crossover fic I always want. I mean, on a total tangent, House crossovers are so good. They are. Like, I've seen, I've seen House Batman ones. There's a House Smallville one I love where Lex Luthor brings in Clark Kent. And so House has to deal with Lex being like a mother hen over Clark. <laughs> it's amazing. I When I was uh, in college, I started writing a House crossover fic. And it was a House Rent crossover where um, my ship was Mark and Roger. And so Roger was sick and Mark takes him to this specialist it might have even been like marcus wilson's cousin or something (laughs) house is just like well roger has aids like that's not a mystery that's not and then uh mark had to be like no it's not because of his aids this is a separate thing and then that was actually a plot on house like not with the red characters but with someone with um hiv or aids coming in and and um, having to convince House that it wasn't because of that, that it was separate. So once House did that plot, I was like, well, I guess I can't finish this fic. In your house, in, in your house, in your heart, it was your Mark Roger fic. I mean, it, it made me feel good that I had gotten the spirit of House well <laughs> enough that the same plot was done in the real show. I actually just started reading a Starsky and Hutch and Person of Interest crossover, Ooh. which also has... Uh, Starsky and Hutch in their 60s and if if you don't know the main plot of person of interest is this guy's a computer whiz and he's built an artificial intelligence that monitors all surveillance in New York City and then gives him names of people who are in danger and sometimes it's they're in danger of being killed and sometimes it's they're going to kill someone and the main characters don't know which it is. So they basically have to follow these people, figure out the story, figure out what's going on, and then save them. And in the story, the computer gives them Starsky's name. And uh, Starsky is Starsky and Hutch are both now living in New York City. And you get some backstory that they that Hutch is retired and became a lawyer and is now a councilman. And Starsky is, I, I think, a chief of police or... He's he's way up in there in rank. I forget what he is now. <laughs> but he's very respected and, and he's considered like someone who cleaned up his pre- precinct and is, you know, honorable and honest. And so Reese and Finch have to find out uh, who might want to hurt Starsky. And they say, well, family is the most likely suspect. So the first person they turn their eyes to is Hutch. But... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's right. not Hutch. But, but, uh... Or is it? I mean, you haven't finished it yet. It might end up being... It's always the husband. Actually, actually, at one point, one of the guys says to Starsky, you know, in situations where, you know, someone's life is starting, it's usually a spouse. And Starsky says, well, it's not Hutch. And if Hutch did want to kill me, I'd rather be dead. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so. oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I think a lot of, I think the fact that Starsky and Hush takes place in the 70s, but that the 
actors are still alive at this point, we can sort of imagine them slotting into any fandom that takes place anywhere from, like, when the characters would have been born in the late 40s to now. Um, and, and that makes it really viable for a lot of different crossovers. On the sort of older Starsky and Hutch perspective, either Rachel or I might actually write this, but we've both been listening to the podcast My Favorite Murder, where um, two women discuss uh, famous true crime stories or even not so famous true crime stories and relate them to their audience. And they also have uh, letters from audience members talking about their hometown murders or connections to the murders they've talked about. And so I would really love a fic where they detail one of Starsky and Hutch's weird cases and then maybe Starsky and Hutch's grandchild winds up calling in and saying, hey, my grandfathers were the ones who... Uh, they took down took, Gunther. They took down Gunther. <laughs> and and then, like, Georgia and Karen of the podcast would be like, oh my god, that's so great, that's so cool. So that's that's the weird RPF, uh, FPF crossover that I want. Speaking of RPF crossover, I really... Okay, so recently... Well, not so recently, like a couple months ago, I found out that um, Octavia Butler grew up in the L.A. area, so I really want her and Huggy to be friends. And, like, Huggy <laughs> reads her drafts. And, like, he, he doesn't have, like, much to say about them other than, like, these are cool. You know, because he's a super slow reader, by the, so by the time he actually finishes them, her book has actually come out. <laughs> but they still, you know, they still, they still hang out. And, like, you know, because he is canonically a fan of sci-fi. So, you know... I would I think read that'd be really that. awesome. I've got some weird, not that these are actual stories, they're more like RPF crossover headcanons that Starsky at some point jams with the E Street Band. <laughs> yes! And that Hutch at some point in his life has ice skated with Joni Mitchell. Ooh! Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> they did locate the river they could skate away on. <laughs> and then there's, okay... And then there's the really self-indulgent crossovers that I want. <laughs> so I'm gonna want to start out with this one. Okay, so I I read a lot of '70s Marvel comics because I'm reading the Marvel Universe in order, starting from 1961. Because you know I have priorities. If you're not into comics, you should know everyone who is into comics thinks this is insane. <laughs> Every time Rachel has mentioned this to, like, a comic book shop owner, they're like, what? I mean, it's, like, over no 20,000 issues um, with lots of bad comics in there. Anyway, there's this one called Werewolf by Night, which is about an 18-year-old kid who turns into a werewolf for three nights every month. And he lives in L.A., and his father, his stepfather is rich, and he thinks his stepfather has murdered his mother, so, the thing is, is he runs into Starsky and Hutch while he's trying to, to uh, get his father to, like, you know, confess and, you know, uh, reveal him. And so Starsky and Hutch are, like, working this case. And, like, he also, so Jack, Jack Russell, which is, <laughs> yes. My favorite thing! It's my Jack favorite Russell thing. is the character's name. <laughs> so Jack, Jack Russell has to try to... Get their help without revealing that he's also a werewolf? Because of course Hutch wouldn't believe, Starsky would believe, but he'd be in trouble either way. So this is my very specific, uh, and it works even even in the canon of the show because 
So there's this one character who does read a Werewolf by Night comic. Like, we stopped the episode, and we looked, and it was number, like, 38 or something like that. But in Marvel Comics Universe, they actually make comics of these characters. So there could be Werewolf by Night comics out there, and it doesn't change anything. This can slot into the show super easy. <laughs> I, I like the things that, that can slot in. We should also talk about our other favorite Marvel crossover, yes. which is... There is a, a character that Captain America dated in the early 80s named Bernie Rosenthal. And she is a Jewish glassblower from Brooklyn, and she's amazing. And my favorite of Captain America's canonical love interests. And if she's growing up in Brooklyn in the, you know, 60s or so, I feel like she might have known Starsky. And so Rachel and I have long wanted a fic where uh, maybe... Starsky and Bernie went to prom together, like they were each other's first dates, and they are still friends, and maybe Starsky comes to New York to visit family, and he runs into Bernie, and he's with Hutch, and she's with Captain America, and she's like, I see we have the same type. (laughs) Starsky's like, what do you mean? I'm not dating him. (laughs) Maybe I am. (laughs) It would be so perfect and beautiful and wonderful. And I just want, like, all the stories of, like, Starsky and Bernie as children. It would be so cute. So, yeah. (laughs) Monica, do you have a Marvel crossover you wish would happen? Well, like, West Coast Avengers are are the... Well, they're the West Coast Avengers. (laughs) Based in L.A. Based in L.A. And that was, what, in the the late 70s or 80s? The The 80s, mostly? Mostly the 80s, yeah. Yeah, I've read a few of them. I honestly haven't read a ton of West Coast Avengers. One of my favorite Marvel characters, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, uh, is part of the West Coast Avengers. So I think uh, I think Starsky and Hutch would be like most members of law enforcement kind of fed up with superheroes and probably annoyed <laughs> by them. But I think, you know, if they met Wanda, they'd, they'd like her because Wanda's very likable. Let's ignore the fact that... <laughs> That in West Coast Avengers, Wanda actually does some really weird stuff. I mean, <laughs> terrible stuff happens to her. I mean, it's a crossover anyway. You can yes, take leave and I can it, uh, retcon yes. all of that. And you can and what you will. Maybe they invite them to the West Coast Avengers mansion and they can have a cookout with the Avengers. <gasps> Aww. And Tony Stark won't be able to take his helmet off. No. <laughs> he can't reveal his identity, so he has to not eat at cookouts. This is canonical. It's there are true. panels of him being like, too bad I can't take my faceplate off. That Sunday looks good. <laughs> and then, and then Starsky and Wanda can share curly hair care tips. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> and talk about their blonde partners. <laughs> Yes, I ship Wanda with Carol. Uh, Carol Danvers or Captain Marvel, as she's now known as. (laughs) I was confused for a second there, and I was like, I know they turned the vision white during that period, (laughs) but I wouldn't call it blonde. There, okay, there, there's one more Marvel-related thing, and I promise we'll get off of Marvel after this. Can you promise that? No. (laughs) Sorry, it's... It's my life. I mean, a lot of things are my life, to be fair. I mean, Starsky and Hutch is my life as well. <laughs> but, so, a while ago, I wanted I wanted a story where Starsky is an underground cartoonist. 
And so Hutch finds this out by, like, seeing drawings of the Torino and stuff like that. And then when he's in either some perp's apartment or, well, probably not Starsky's, because Starsky knows where to hide that from Hutch. So they're in some perp's apartment, and he finds these underground comics, and he recognizes the drawings, and, like, the signature is something that uh, he realizes it's Starsky. And so... I was talking about this with Jen and Monica, and they offered the idea that they that Starsky learned from his uncle Jack, who might not be blood related, but would come over and babysit him. And that is Jack as in Jack Kirby, <laughs> who created many of these characters, including Captain America. And you have some stuff with Joe Simon, the other that you were thinking of. Well, I, I just think I mean Joe Simon was was a apparently a really good grandfather to uh there, there was a lovely tribute to him uh by his granddaughter um in a, a newspaper maybe a year ago during the women's march and so i like to think that he was kind of a, a, a chill guy especially with the youngsters and maybe he would also be uh, a fatherly figure to starsky i mean they were still working together when starsky was little exactly so i like the idea of starsky publishing indie comics I, I've read some vintage indie comics, and they could be so weird, and in such a delightful way. Like, just, people have no filters. They they just put all their id into these comics. And I'd love to see what Starsky would draw, like, what his art style would be, and, like, what kind of strange, delightful fantasies he'd put onto these pages. And then also because I like the trope of character has a secret talent that the other character finds out. I think it's a pretty solid trope, and I'd like to see Hutch kind of get blown away that there was something about Starsky he did not know. It would be so beautiful and Although, romantic. I feel like there'd have to be a good reason that Starsky didn't share this with Hutch. Hmm. Embarrassment? Can't see it. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe his comics are just kind of weird and subversive, and he, he doesn't think Hutch would get it, maybe? <laughs> or maybe he <laughs> thinks Hutch would get too much. Oh, <laughs> a very, very, a little, a little more Tom of Finland. We're thinking. Of. <laughs> oh my God, Starsky is Tom of Finland. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Did lots of gay. Uh... You need to Google Tom of Finland right now because you need. I, I think Monica. This is the Monica response to something in real time. Corner. <laughs> Uh, usually it's Rachel. Well, I'm bad at responding to things in an entertaining way. Tom of <laughs> Finland. Definitely an image search. Oh, I've definitely seen... I've, yeah! I've seen some of these art pieces before. Yeah, I could... If if Starsky were drawing something like <laughs> the, this leather uh, fetish art um, with, with gay men, yeah, he might keep that from Hutch. Yeah. And then Hutch would find out and be like, yeah, that's cool. Does he use his own ass as a model? Oh yeah, he's, he's okay. He stands, he stands like with you know with his ass to the mirror and looking over his shoulder and does some sketches and turns back and you know stares at it and wiggles it a little bit and turns to the side. And... He's doing boobs and butt pose. Yes, and then and then readers write in and they say uh, this. I'm not sure what pseudonym Starsky would use, but they'd be like, you write, you draw the best butts in the industry. <laughs> And Starsky would feel so great about that because, you know, he knows what that butt is. Some of these guys look a fair bit like Hutch. <laughs> oh my god! Not oh my a, god. Yeah. Starsky's butt 
But Hutch's head. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think that might be the thing that maybe he draws a lot of beautiful buff Hutch duplicates in his comics yes. in like sexual poses, and that's why he can never tell Hutch. Yes. <laughs> I mean, whether whether they're gay or straight comics, you know, it's 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 this part that is the the key. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> All right. Well, I will remember Tom of Finland. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> Are there any other crossovers we can think of that we would love to have off the top of our heads? Or have we reached our limit? I mean, see, the thing is, there's so many fandoms I'd be happy to see. I know there's some professionals out there. Not as many as I'd expect, though. That Hmm. that was always surprising. I would read a Psyche crossover, because Psyche is also in (coughs) Southern California. Uh, I think Santa Barbara. And Sean is such a character, like, he's larger than life. So seeing him annoy the hell out of Starsky and Hutch would be pretty great. He goes and works for their uh, precinct for, like, a week instead of the normal one that he does. And they're just like, we don't need a fake psychic. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. I would like that. I'm trying to think, like, I'm, I'm, I keep trying to think of movies from the 70s or movies set in the 70s, but... I feel like most of the 70s films I know about are genre, and so they're not actually set in the 70s. I mean, the most obvious, Magnum Force, Starsky and Hutch, which I think we may or may not, I don't remember I think we, we did talk about, about it. it. But yeah, where <laughs> Davis, who is Hutch's, David Soul's character, like, comes around, and like, Hutch is missing, and he pretends to be Hutch. <laughs> but he's like, evil. Oh god, that'd be so great. Yeah. No, totally, totally. So yeah, there are lots of genre films that came out in the 70s, but lots of those genre films do lend themselves to weird things. Like, Star Trek does all the time traveling in the world. That's true. I mean, the whale movie! (laughs) (laughs) So they could easily end up in uh, 1970s LA. They could... Starsky and Hutch could help them save the whales. (laughs) For the future of humanity. Now, Lady Hawk, which, I mean, in really is 80s, but that's a movie I can't see crossing over very well. But, you know, some genre of works. All this Marvel talk, uh, you probably have guessed we're giant comic book nerds. We were at a comic book convention last weekend, and it had so much cosplay. People dressing up, and not just of comic book characters. People dress up as any kind of science fiction, fantasy, horror, or just popular uh, characters of, of any genre, or sometimes, like, concepts. I remember one from a couple of years ago, a girl was cosplaying as the house from Up. Like, she had a cardboard box decorated to look like the house and was carrying a bouquet of balloons. You get a lot of people who wear dresses that look sort of like the TARDIS from Doctor Who or Daleks from Doctor Who. You get a lot of cosplay, but also just, like, fashion inspired by nerd stuff. And I was wondering, is there any way to do a Torino dress? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. okay, okay. Ooh, okay. So you have, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like sort of, okay, I don't, I don't know how to describe dresses. I'm going to say sundressy. Okay, let's, let's say sundressy with like a wider skirt mm-hmm. because I like wider skirts because, you know, that's just what I like. Um, and a higher bust, uh, waistline, I mean, not bust. And what you have is, it's primarily red. And then when you, okay, you have two options. So one I like better than the other. 
The one I like less is that you have the stripe going around the back and it comes up and it comes um, and tapers off underneath the bust line and it doesn't, the points don't meet, Hmm. but there's that. And the other one is it it runs down the sides at a diagonal and um, comes out like near near the bottom of the skirt in the front or near to the sides maybe. That could work. I was also thinking if it's a dress with straps... Then it could be the white stripe is going over one of the straps, just like it goes over the hood Ooh. of the car, and then it goes down and across in a diagonal, so you get the curve of it across the body in the front and in the back. Oh, that's And gorgeous. so the strap is, is the overlay. And then you could even have, like, license plate detailing on one of the sides of the skirt. <gasps> Shoot, okay, now I have to actually learn how to make dresses, because that is gorgeous, <laughs> and I want it. Oh, I could, you could just modify. Oh, modifying is hard, though. I don't know. I'm not a very good sewer, is the thing, but this has made me want this dress. You've produced some amazing costumes, so don't sell yourself they're, short. They're a little rough. This would be, like, a dress I would want to, like, be able to wear to comic book club and stuff, you know? Well, you've made skirts, so... That's true. Skirts are easy, though. Yeah, but it would just have to be practiced with a bodice. Mm-hmm. You could do kind of the same skirt yeah. thing. Ooh, okay, this is cool. This is cool. <laughs> So that would be fun. I mean, yeah, like, when you're talking about... I mean, just to go to... Okay, I think we should do a proper fashion episode sometime. But just... (laughs) No, that's cool. People have been talking a lot on the Facebook group about fashion. There was an entire post collecting all the times Starsky, Hutch, and Huggy have worn plaid. Ooh, nice! Oh, God, no, that's the worst! Plaid is the best. You're wrong. Plaid plaid is is awful. Plaid is the worst pattern. The best part is people are like, what's your favorite plaid on the characters? And you can choose from, like, green plaids, red plaids, blue plaids, yellow plaids, orange plaids. They wear so much plaid on the show. No plaids! Never! All the plaids. Yes, I agree. Monica's wearing plaid right now. (laughs) I wish I were. But, yeah, um, so we should definitely do a fashion episode sometime. But speaking of fashion, it's like, it is a little hard to pinpoint something that would be recognizable that you could, like, make more modern clothes of. Like, I mean, you have the sweater. That would definitely be iconic. And you could make, like, um, um, a more fitted version of that, perhaps, if you wanted. And then you have the Torino, of course. Hutch's letter jacket. Yeah, it, it's a little, it's it's iconic for those who know, and if they know you're doing that, mm-hmm. it's a little harder, I feel, right. to just do that. Although, now I'm thinking, like, you could have a really cute crop leather jacket with um, a bodice that's black, over a bodice that's black, because I love dresses, okay? <laughs> so this is why everything's a dress. And then, and then, like, a jean flare skirt, I mean, it doesn't or a blue, blue, blue flare, you know, a blue flared skirt thing. That could work. It would definitely be Starsky and Hutch inspired fashion, but you're right, it wouldn't be like recognizable. Right. Well, that's why you have a Starsky with you, and then you have a Torino with you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It would have to be a group cosplay. If you could get a Huggy Bear too. Yes. Like I think, I think you as a group, it could work. Solo, I think, other than the Torino, I don't think any of them could quite work. Mm-hmm. Unless you were going to a con where, like, if you were going to share con, yes. that would be recognizable. <laughs> or you could, okay, or you could use props. Because if you have your Huggy Bear and your Starsky Bear, 
from like build a bear workshop or something or, or your own main ones then you have the, then you have the set you know that's true i thought you were gonna say a plush torino you could have a plush torino too <laughs> well no like the torino okay you make the you make the starsky bear hold the torino the, the stuff that sounds cute but or i also you take like your the babies and you dress them up <laughs> wearing the iconic starsky sweater or one of starsky's other semi-recognizable outfits and then carry a, a, a Torino around a convention and see how many people get you. Ooh. I could do that next year at, at you, the comic yes. book convention. <laughs> get the sweater, get well, a, a, or create a Torino somehow. I know they made model Torinos, but it'd be more fun if it was like a plushy Torino. I think there are plushy cars, and if it was like acrylic, you could paint over it, probably. No, it's really easy. Just take um, felt, just take a plushy red car. Take felt, cut a stripe, and and use yeah. um, fabric glue. Like I the, got lots of fabric glue. Really, they make flushy Torino. Well, flushy. They, they probably flushy make like yeah, like red flushy cars. soft soft red cards for babies. Yeah, but it would I I feel like it would have to be the right kind of car, and maybe they That's do make fair. the right it kind could of be car. like Lightning McQueen from. Uh, oh, maybe. Cars. But if it has eyes, close. then I'm, I'm gonna not Well, you want... could cover the eyes. Yeah, you have to, <laughs> that would take some modification. And at that point, maybe it would be better to just build your own. Because a car is very square-shaped, so actually it'd be, that would be a lot easier than, like, an animal. That's true. Because then you could have the top, bottom, sides, and then, you know, like, the detail. Okay, this The car it, thing is reminding this. me, I ran into a guy who had a tattoo that was the Ford logo, and I was like, oh, you've got a Ford tattoo, you know, did you work for Ford? And he was like, no, I just love Ford, they're my favorite cars. And I was like, awesome, what's your favorite Ford? And he said, the 1973 Ford Torino or something like that. And I was like, oh, is that the car from Starsky and Hutch? And he's like, no, that was 1975 or so. I, I forget <laughs> the exact years, but he, he knew exactly which Torino was the Starsky and Hutch Torino, and it wasn't his favorite one. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> no, he was he was friendly. I was just going to say, was Lightning McQueen voiced by Owen Wilson? Or did I make that up? Don't look at me! We could, we could cut this if that's incorrect. I don't know. But if it is this correct, is phones are for. you would be turning 2004 Hutch into a Torino. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Google is great. I didn't even have to type it all the way in. Yes, Owen Wilson. Okay. So there you go. You'd be turning movie Hutch into a Torino. And I feel like there's some poetry there. Because Starsky loves both. (laughs) (laughs) If only you could merge the two in some horrible Full Metal Alchemist. (laughs) I was going to say, is this going to turn into the Nina Tucker meme? That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe we better wind things down. We've been a little, uh, you know, a, a little fuzzy this this week, I think. Starsky, help. We've lost Jen. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, this horrifying mutant, like... Half car, half Alchemical human. half car, half human, just asking Starsky to put him out of his misery. Aww. Let's not end the episode on that, on that dark note. Starsky and Hutch are happy and married and living out retirement right now. Like, we know this in our hearts. That's true. That's true. Like, they they have met many a person, or not person as the case may be, from many a different property. But in the end, they are happily retired and living... Probably still on Bay City. Probably. Maybe New York. 
<laughs> Never Minnesota. What? <laughs> because the Hutch family, the Fan and Hutch family is not someone they want to live near. And It depends. There's some good, there's some good Fan and Hutch families. That's fair. I just feel and like... Duluth is like several hours away from Minneapolis, so... So you're not sending them back to Duluth. No. <laughs> you wouldn't do that they to them. The Twin Cities. They have an orchard and like they take the grandkids out to go pick apples. Can they go see wild games? I'm down if they can go see wild games. <laughs> I don't know if they would care about hockey. I was actually considering thinking about one of those crossovers like the expansion in 1967 the kings were part of that so los angeles would suddenly have a hockey team but then i realized that sarsky probably would have grown up a rangers fan and i just can't deal with that so (laughs) i will take your word for it uh rachel you say you want them living in an orchard picking apples and that just reminded me that i have a wreck (gasps) but it's one of these fic. <laughs> so, uh, someone on the Facebook group linked to um, the tiranog.southroad.com website. It's I, I don't know the author's name because the site just has lists of fandoms. And I think when I click on them, it doesn't... Oh, Rosemary. Okay. So, the author is Rosemary. And I went through and read a bunch of these. But they don't have summaries, so now, like, they've all blurred together in my head. And there are quite a few of them. But one of them involves Hutch kind of abruptly burning out and saying he's leaving. And Starsky's like, okay, I'm coming with you. And Hutch is like, I've bought a orchard. And Starsky's like, well, that's cool. And Hutch is like, it's in Washington. <laughs> and Starsky's like, well, okay, I'm still coming with you. And yes. it's like... Still cold. I think it's still winter, and there's snow on the ground. They have to like fix the house up a little, so they haven't been up there too long. And Starsky is kind of bored, but you know he realizes that this is what Hutch needs. And then he finds out that maybe Hutch actually needs a little bit more. And uh, <laughs> Hutch, he he and Hutch uh, start a, a relationship. I I I didn't read this this long ago, but as I said, I I. Took in so many fic so quickly that they're that they're blurring in my head. But a beautiful I remember Starsky and Hutch Hayes. Yes, yeah. it, it was very sweet. I liked the setting because I like snowy, wintry settings, and and it just felt very like, you know, I like a very uh, emotionally vulnerable Hutch and and Starsky who doesn't quite know what's going on, but once he figures it out, he he's you know there all the way. So Ooh, that's all great. We will look this up and we will put the author and the link in the show notes. So we are going to eventually give credit uh, to the person. Oh, this looks promising. Starsky shivered and blew on his hands to warm them. Give me a second. You could like control F for the, orchard. Yes, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Technology. So great. Yep. Okay. So the story is Journey's End by Rosemary. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Control F. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to read that. That does sound lovely. I don't know if I've told you as in the podcast listener, but I've told Jen and Monica a lot about just wanting them to have an orchard together. 
I and hope maybe there's a pumpkin d- patch as well in that like this great. perfect world and they do like Halloween stuff because Cersei gets real into that they we, can we go sell to some corn oat mazes. smoothies <laughs> Rachel, Jen, and I go to corn mazes in the autumn and we like to imagine Cersei and Hutch retiring to run a corn maze <laughs> And a haunted house, and Starsky like would stay. He would be one of the participants in the haunted house. He would be like the guy dressed as a vampire lumberjack who owned a farm, who I was stuck in an abandoned cornfield with for uh, over an hour one time, which is a story for another day. <laughs> but he did not break character. He was a vampire lumberjack the entire time while waiting for me to get someone to pick me up after my friend's car was towed. So. Uh, shout out to that vampire lumberjack who I think would inspire Starsky. <laughs> did you have any wrecks, Rachel? I did. Okay. So I'm kind of stealing a wreck because, you know, the past, the past week I mostly slept and the week before that, all I was doing was cosplay prep because it was like, I gotta finish my cosplay. So I saw, uh, that Don Beth wrecked some chaos in Michael's fix recently, and one of them was Starsky's Girl, which I read several months ago, but it is a delightful fic, and I highly recommend it. It's an alternate meeting fic where they meet in this some southern state at a dance, and they make eyes at each other, and clearly it's like, oh, I want to dance with boys and not girls. So then it's pre-Vietnam. I mean, the Vietnam War is going on, but it's, so it's like 60-something. And so Starsky takes Hutch to this uh, other dance, and Huggy's there, and they go into the backyard, and they have sex for the first time, and then Starsky's like, oh, well, okay, and then it, anyway, I, I probably should not tell you every single thing that happens in this fact. But it's a really fun alternate meeting fic, and I really like that Huggy and Starsky are really great friends in it. Like, I love that when they're, when they're like, longtime friends, and I just thought it was really sweet. Nice. Oh, and that's, once again, that's Starsky's Girl by Kay Austin Michaels. Well, I, I don't have anything uh, else to wreck, so we might want to close this up before the hail completely buries us in an ice castle. <laughs> it's not going to bury us that much. I don't know. We're looking out the window kind of suspiciously. Nah, you can wipe it off. <laughs> okay. We've had more snow, you know? That's true. Ice is scarier than snow, though. Yeah, but it's not that bad. It's not that cold. That's true. And now we're talking about the weather, which is clearly the most exciting part of podcasts. <laughs> really? I mean, you don't think it is? I think it is. It's my favorite part. I mean, it's a pretty cool part of Night Vale. This is true. I'm going to be the brave one here. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'm very happy, Hoddle. Very happy. I will write you a note saying, pack your things. Any day now. Any day. And we'll sit and we'll smile at our wedding rings. Any day now. Any day. All our poor starved hopes will be fulfilled Together what a clean and shiny world we'll build For 
the dust and decay will be swept away any day now. It will happen. Yes, the river will rise and the dam will burst any day now, any day. And the first will be last and the last be first any day now, any day. When a million hands will be untied, a million doors and windows will be open wide. And the chains will be snapped, and the whips be burned, and the swords be turned into plowshares. Any day now, any day. We can let her be now. <laughs>